Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, where Ryan and I are very upset tonight. <laughs> We're just, just diving right, diving, oh. diving right oh. in. Where Ryan and I are really upset to find out uh, that LMFAO is A, no longer together. <laughs> B, Party Rock came out in 2011. Yep. Uh, and that LMFAO claims that they've been doing this forever, quote, like four or five years. Uh, so here we are, everyone, celebrating four years together, doing better Wait. than LMFAO. It's That's our four-year Q&A episode, part three. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, Please leave all gosh, that in. Gosh, what an <laughs> intro. What an intro. Uh, we've got an energy today. We're recording in the morning on a uh, Memorial Day day. Uh, <laughs> Monday, Monday morning. Yep. Uh, so, uh, welcome everybody, uh, from the future. Uh, we're really happy that you were able to join us, uh, for this, uh, off the cuff Q and a session. Um, we'll try to keep it, uh, within an hour and a half, but, uh, we're, we're a little slap happy this morning, but, uh, it's fine. It's fine. We'll, see, we'll see how it goes. We're doing our best. Uh, doing should I best. put the timer on? I feel like that worked pretty well for us last time. It did. Okay. Yeah. All right. How many questions do we have to do today? I think there's like 20, right? Uh, something like that. All right. Some of them might be pretty fast, but uh, we got 23 questions. 23 questions. How many did we get through last questions. time? Okay. So the first time uh, we got through 16. Yep. And then the next and time the we got through. the second time we got through 18, but like two two extra ones were doubles. So 16 again. Okay. So we'll see if we can get through another 16 or more. I mean, whew, here we go. Ready? Ready? The... I forget who's even to who's odds. Uh, well, last time you said I was odds. That's so true. Let's that's just go fine. with that. I, I, I mean, I was I'm listening. fine being the odd one. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to our our backlog of, of bonus content that you can catch up on in the, the Patreon uh, that we have going on right now. It's interesting because well, I think it was Hero Dog Saves Town or no, it was some game that we did together. And I was like, OK, I'll be even to be odds. And you're like. That's all you need to know about us. Right. Right. <laughs> that just, that's, that's it right I like there. that I continue to make the same joke. I'm nothing if not consistent. It's fine. It's yeah. It's great. I am looking all at right. my screen as if I'm, I'm seeing you when I'm talking to you, but actually I just am looking at my waveforms. So now I'm actually looking at you. Um, <laughs> Welcome. Do you like how I faked that though? Like yeah. I was paying attention. Okay. So does that mean I get to go first? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. So this question, first one for the day, is from Derek D. Best non-Eurocentric fantasy game. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Um, gosh. I'm trying to think like fantasy because I like we've covered non-Eurocentric games. Um, I'm trying to think like specifically fantasy though. I mean, it is difficult because like the fantasy genre traditionally was born out of that European. Yeah, what we mindset, what we traditionally right? equate with fantasy. Yeah, is, right, right. Is, I I haven't um, been able to read any of it yet, but from what I've seen of the materials, the promo materials and stuff, uh, uh, what is it? Coyote and Crow. Yeah, Coyote and Crow Mm -hmm. um, looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, And that is, um, yeah, a lot of Native American influences in this one. Um, And the uh, the artist is gorgeous. Uh, From what I hear, the game is uh, pretty fantastic. Um, And the book is just enormous. It's a huge book. 472 uh, full-color pages with, like, it's just, it's hefty. It's it's nice. It feels it feels good. Um, and it's got, it's got a lot of uh, very cool concepts from what I saw from the, from the, uh, the Kickstarter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a number of good um, D&D settings. Two that have uh, non-Eurocentric feels. Um, I'm gonna probably like pronounce this wrong um, because it's. I want to pronounce it in like my my Spanish. Uh, I, I always want to pronounce like anything in like the way you would pronounce it in Spanish because it's the only other language I speak. Um, right. But the islands of Sina Una um, is a. I want to say like. See, I'm gonna get this wrong, and I'm gonna feel so guilty about it. I believe uh, like Philippines inspired. Okay. Setting. Oh my god! Now I'm gonna look. Now we now we gotta do research. I know. God, I wasn't prepared th- th- for this. Thanks, Derek. Um, <laughs> I was right. It is inspired by the Filipino mythos. Um, it is a really interesting um campaign setting for D and D games. Um, mm-hmm. I try to think. I've I've read a number of them that are inspired by. I really love people. Taking, you know, like I'm on record as being like, you can't run everything in D&D. Um, but D&D sort of having that quintessential white European fantasy slash, we tried to throw some other stuff on top if we put everything in the pot, it's fine. Right. Um, but I am a really big fan of people bringing their own culture, their own experience to that game to show that yeah. fantasy is not just white Eurocentric medieval fantasy, you know, yeah, exactly. um, that, that doesn't have to be the default. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that one is really good. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, I'm trying to think if I have a game in particular that stood out to me. I feel like, gosh, in the last two years, having read so many games, like, yeah, I, I feel like my brain hurts, like trying to think of stuff. People are like, <laughs> do you have any suggestions? And I'm like, uh, I know I read a bunch. Uh, like, <laughs> y'all, there were almost 500 submissions last year. This year, there were 730 something. Good. How do you read that many? Uh, I mean, the good news <laughs> is that not all of them are games. Like, not all of them are full oh, games. There's also adventures, there's accessories, there's, you know. That's true. Um, so, some of them are shorter. Some of them are like zine style, shorter games. Um, 
but yeah, like it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, but there's also podcasts, yes. websites, you know, so some yeah. things don't take as long as other things, but yeah, it does all mash together in my brain sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah. oh I know I do have a thing for that. What was it? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I would say for me, it's um, the Islands of Sina Una uh, by Hit Point Press. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for it, it is a D&D 5e campaign setting. There you um, go. Super interesting. Yeah. So, and then, yes, Coyote and Crow um, is inspired by a lot of Native American mythos, a lot of Native American cultural mm-hmm. background in that one. Um, again, that's also one that I have read but not played. So um, not totally how sure, like how it works in practice, you know. Right, um, right. But yeah, very interesting, very beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I know that there are more. If I think of them, we can maybe put them in the show notes or something. But there you go. Yeah. It's my short we'll answer. It took eight minutes. That's fine. (laughs) All right. uh, Here's my question from Kevin. Uh, If Necromelia needed to be redeemed, how would Magical Girl Ryan do it? Okay. It almost feels like it's the same answer. The undying uh, love. Undying bonds of love and friendship. Undying bonds of love and friendship. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, we covered a lot of Magical Girl stuff in the last q a episode yeah um and yeah i think just showing that uh necromancy can be more than just raising the dead right and raising the bonds of love and friendship is uh really cool too yeah i mean i feel like this question um is kind of like under false pretenses though it's like if necromelia needed to be redeemed which right. obviously she doesn't. She has no desire whatsoever to be redeemed. <laughs> How dare you imply that there's anything wrong with her to begin with? Exactly. <laughs> there uh, you go. All right. This question is also an anonymous one. Uh, favorite character you've created? And I like this caveat in here because clearly this listener has listened to our show. Or top three. <laughs> or top three. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that we have been pretty clear over the course of these Q&A episodes that we, A, are really bad at remembering what we have done, <laughs> yep. and B, love all our children equally. We do. Uh, well. Fairly uh, equally. I mean, I, I think I do no. have ones that, like, stand out to me more. There, there's there's a bunch that I would say, eh, to. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think there are them. definitely ones that I'm like, I would love to take this to a game. And there are yeah. ones that I'm oh, like, mm, they're fine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like um, my D&D character from series one. Um, uh, I think they were just like a generic monk. I think I remember character. the name of like the practice one that I made, but I don't think I remember the name of like. <laughs> right. I, don't even, I don't even know what you made. I don't. I don't. It's been so long. I think I made like a. I think I made a druid in our practice one. Okay. Um, Tess Greenleaf. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember at all. Um, um yeah. But goodness gracious. Oof. Um, I, I mean, for me, h- high up on the list is the the Thirsty Sword lesbian characters that we made. Yeah. Um, just because that game is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, which which uh recently, as of the release of this episode, what a month and a half ago won something 
uh, yes. pretty prestigious. Yeah, they won a Nebula, which yeah, is like that's pretty sweet, insane. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like not a small deal. Yeah, for best writing, they won a Nebula. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that one, um, I really enjoyed. Um, Dirge. I oh, mean, Dirge's Dirge. Stranglethorn has to be on the top of my yeah, list. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that you can't put Dirge on the list. Dirge was life-changing <laughs> for you. It's life-changing. Like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I could probably think of a third one, but this is where it gets kind of difficult. I think I want to put Beatrice from our Masks game. I know I keep bringing up that Masks mm-hmm. one. Um, I just really loved those characters so much. Um, yeah. Ooh. I feel like, like, if we're going through, like, I mean, it's just this favorite. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, this is so and hard. This is it's like, like, it's of, like of all time, right? right? Even off of the show. Right. So, like, yeah, I would have to put my, oh, oh, the OG I guess Mishra. it does just say that you've created. So, that yeah, doesn't so, have to be. Right. Um, so, I'm going to say OG Mishra uh, yeah. from Heroes Unlimited. I don't, I don't feel like I want to go that far, though. I mean, I guess in which case, like, <laughs> like I would have to put my my first L5R character. Is that yeah. to me on that list? If I'm just sticking with the show stuff, I honestly really love my character from our Unbound series, Luminance Edge. Um, oh, yeah. My Street Fighter samurai with a fluorescent light bulb <laughs> sword. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a very good character. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I, I'm really bad at remembering the names of my characters, though, because um, I, I really enjoyed my my pirate magical girl. Uh, from that series. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. What was her name? It had, like, a sky theme to it. I just, mm-hmm. like, re-listened to these ones not that long ago, too. Right. Um, hmm. And then, of course, Alchemistresses was uh, was a fun character. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm struggling not to just, like, pick recent ones because those are the ones that are fresh <laughs> in my mind, you know? Um, so... I mean, it I says mean, or top three. So, like, I've yeah. made my favorite or top three. I have, like, top there two. Like, go. we'll meet you in the middle. How about that? Top exactly. Two. There's too many. I, I, I gave probably, like, six or seven characters. I don't know. I'm, like, waiting for people to write in and be like, what about this one? me be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I did forget about that one. <laughs> they were, they're all fantastic. Right. Right. It's fine. I mean, I did really like her brilliance in our Chimera game. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, so many good characters. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go to the next question. I think we answered that well yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we get very clear, concise, <laughs> like all these questions. You, you, and you, like <laughs> two hours later, what was the question? <laughs> I'm still talking. <laughs> all right, uh, this question is from uh, Fabian. Uh, how do you deal with the fact that there are way more cool RPGs coming out than you will ever have time to play? I would say that I slowly cry myself to sleep many nights <laughs> wondering, will I live long enough? Is there enough peanut enough? butter and jelly sandwiches in the world for me to eat <laughs> that I could live long enough uh-huh. to cover all of these games? No, honestly, it is. Um, I'm not going to say I lose sleep over it, but it is definitely something that like eternally frustrates me as somebody who yeah. is polygamous. Um, that there's just not enough hours in the day. Like, even if this was my full-time job and I devoted yeah. my life to RPGs, um, there's no way that I could ever play this many just oh, because no. it 
you know. Like, even if you did a four-hour block for one game every day for a year. That's 365 games. That's 365 games, and that's not even scratching the surface. Gestures wildly to the giant shelf behind me. (laughs) It's, It's like, you can play all these games, but, like, at what point does it just become a, like... I, I don't know. I, I, I almost want to say chore, right? To just power through yeah. them all. Right? Like, yeah. like are you I even really enjoying say, Do what you them? love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And I say, do what you love every day and you won't love it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that the thing is like, it's, there are so many games coming out. And like, even yeah. if we add the caveat that not all of them are cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them are are Amelia games. There's still just like too many, too There's many. So many. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's too I many. I mean, that's that's kind of the curse of this show too. Is like and the blessing, right? Because we want to cover so many games, and we get twelve a year. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, we will never have, like we will never be wanting for content to cover, um, yeah. only for time to cover it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes time to get things together. It takes time to do them. And it takes time to, like, in, in this scenario, it would take time to to play them. And we would have to have a dedicated group and blocks of time, like, even once a week. That's only 52 games a year. I just sat down and had that. a session zero for my first campaign in almost a year. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. I don't play games. I don't. Is it like I, I always tell people I'm like I talk about them, I uh-huh. read them, I am involved we're, with them, but I don't play them. Yeah, we're we are both really in more of the theoretical portion yes. of yeah. game playing, right? Absolutely. And I understand the concept of games. <laughs> I do believe I that there are d- people out there who occasionally play them as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, we we dabble, <laughs> right? Right. Um, I mean, you at least like work on some game design stuff too. I'm just uh, like, I true. don't play um, them, I don't write them, but I will judge them. <laughs> yes, uh, and I do have two groups going at the moment for two different campaigns. So yeah. I mean, that's something. But like that's even then, that's two games, right? Um, we're doing Beyond the Wall and Simbarum, right? And those um, aren't necessarily like. You know, like, they're not necessarily always weekly games. They're not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I'm doing now is going to be a Star Wars game. And we're going to do every other week. Ideally, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Every other week. That'd be nice. <laughs> um, although I believe I have sold my group on playing Arium on weeks when we can't have everybody there. Because one of the big themes that we wanted to play with was, like, exploration. Um, oh, yeah. And I was like, what if we played Arium in between and made up our own planets? And everybody's <laughs> like, yes, let's do that. And I was like, yes, sold. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. So I was like, that would be a really good activity to have like a mini game in between on weeks when you can't have everybody there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That'd be amazing. Right? Right? I was like, oh. Well, especially for Star Wars, right? Right. Well, that was the thing. And especially after everybody said like, okay, we want exploration to be a concept. Yeah. In this game, I was like, what if we made up our own planets? Yeah. Because so many people were like, well, I'm like familiar with Star Wars, but I'm not like deep in it, you know, enough to like know all the lore and know all these planets. And, you know, and I was like, all of the planets are dumb anyway. 
So, like, there's no <laughs> way that anything we come up with is going to be worse than what Star Wars already yeah, did. Because there's it's all just single biome right. planets. This right. is the desert planet. Right. This is the lava planet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, like, I'm on record as saying I love mini games within games to do those kinds of things. Yeah. And I, I think it's another way to get some more buy-in about, like, this is a planet mm-hmm. we're going to visit. We've established some things. I think it probably, ideally, will help our GM um yeah. to kind of like go in with these hooks because in Arium you create like some people some places some concepts my dog is barking behind me um you create some people some concepts some places so, like hooks for the gm to pull mm-hmm. on to so yeah none of this is answering the question about playing cool games uh but basically I, i'm saying i have found a way to combine two games into one to be able yeah. to play more games oh that's pretty cool yeah. uh, i like that a lot it, it's it reminds me like if if uh i could ever get chimera to a point where i would start doing a space opera mm-hmm. module yeah um the thought was you create the planets like you created your like origin planet and and whatnot yeah and so like everywhere you go you can you can either do it in like mini mode where you only pick a few tropes Mm -hmm. and then see how that works out and or you could just go all in on world building for a planet so like in those situations where you don't have everybody you could just right make a planet yeah i'm really big into anything that gives you the option to continue playing when people aren't there without missing things because i don't i don't love like just continuing with a session when you're missing a player. Right. But I also strongly believe that momentum is really important in keeping up with a campaign. That once you start missing, a, you know, a month or something because you're only playing every other week and like I've mm-hmm. had so many games fail that way because oh, yeah. it just gets hard to keep up. It's like, okay, well, if we don't play this week, do we wait two weeks? Do we mm-hmm. try it for next week? And then the schedule's like, you know. Um, and so anything that kind of allows you to still keep going without anybody really missing anything um but still keeping the momentum of that campaign to not just like switching to a whole different game so i feel like that was a good little um way to do stuff in between but yeah i don't know i think the answer is just i cry myself myself to sleep every night yeah and i tend to not think about it yeah (laughs) because it would drive me up a wall right right um i think the answer really is just denial yeah pretty much Um, yeah no, there's is a, it, is the most there's important. No, there's no there's no games being released. What are you talking right, about? Right, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> what are, what I've never games? heard of her. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's no game. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. What system are you least looking forward to? Mm. I have no clue how to answer that. I don't either. I mean, because it's like even the. The new Marvel game, which we kind of talked about last time or the first time. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it to see what it's about. Yeah, to but see. But I guess like, I'm what not like I'm not excited about it, I guess. I don't here's the thing is like I don't have enough space in my brain to hold all of the games that I am excited for. So I th- yeah. think that there aren't any that I'm not looking forward to because I've just like whoop, like just Like, there's no space for it. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. It's not on my radar. Right. Or think that there are games that I've looked at and been like, that's terrible. (laughs) I'm going to keep track of that. Yeah. Or, or like, you could also look at this question and say, of all the ones that you're really excited about, which one are you the least excited about? And that just doesn't seem right. That's a stupid question. 
<laughs> Sorry, anonymous. What a dumb question. <laughs> At least look at I don't understand. Um, uh-huh. No, I, I, because I think honestly, like I can't even name ones I'm looking forward to. Uh-huh. Like, well, because see the last question for there's just too many games. Right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, our answer I would mean, be like the <laughs> <laughs> um, because, dear listeners, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before. I probably have, um, and a thing that I frequently tell my friends is the brilliance of having ADHD is like out of sight, out of mind. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of times extremely frustrating, but sometimes it means that the world is full of surprises that I have kept even from myself. So very occasionally what happens, I should say very occasionally all the time, all the time, people, what happens <laughs> is I get really excited about something I'm like, Oh yeah, there's a new game. It's coming out. It's on Kickstarter. I back the Kickstarter. And then several months later, a game shows up at my door and I'm like, huh, <laughs> that is a gift from past Amelia. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, like, the idea that I would be, like, looking forward to, like, or, like, not looking forward to a game um, is bananas to me because I don't even look forward to the ones that I'm looking forward to because I've right. forgotten about them. Like, uh-huh. there are games that I have, like, fully backed on Kickstarter. Like, I know I'm getting the, like, mm-hmm. nice copy, the special edition cover, whatever. Yep. But, like, that's in three months and Amelia three months from now is not going to know. Yep. That she did Where that. this came from. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a big, exciting world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, next question is, why all the blood magic? This is from Anonymous. So much blood magic. Okay. I actually, this is another one that I... Uh, oh, you took notes on this one? I believe I did. Let um, me get out my dissertation. Well, because I get... <laughs> this question from people a lot about like okay you know like enough with the evil stuff you know um that's 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 really funny okay so i'll Mm -hmm. i'll read what i wrote here and then i can kind of expound on it i wrote because i'm fascinated with the subversive nature of dark magic and the idea that of channeling our own life force also with the love surrounding dark and forbidden magic in a lot of settings so, or with the lore, sorry, I can read my own writing. Also with the lore surrounding dark and forbidden magic in a lot of settings. So mm. one of the things for me that is really powerful about dark magic is that in a lot of settings, um, it is this sort of like dark mirror of what society thinks a person is supposed to be like. Mm. Um, particularly when you look at... Um, the Sith in Star Wars and also at um, Shirito in L5R. Both of them are about yourself and your relation to the world as opposed mm. to this like outward looking. It's it's selfishness as opposed to selflessness. And okay. I think especially in Star Wars, when you look at the Jedi, um, it is this idea of like what you are supposed to do for the world. And right. the way that you use this thing to help other people at the sacrifice of your own identity and your own self. And as someone who has gone through some struggles in life, who has had problems with their identity, who has been in an abusive relationship, um, the idea of reclaiming my sense of self and mm-hmm. doing something entirely because it is good for me um, 
is really important to me. Uh, yeah. Being able to say, no, I don't have to. And I think some of this is like being a mom in modern society too, which is the thing that I, t- I talk a lot about, about like the idea that my identity should be Nate's mom and not Amelia. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sense of like, I get to own myself and my choices and do things because they are good for me. Um, and not just good for the world, which mm-hmm. I think like we are, we are raised in a sort of like Judeo Christian puritanical Society of like, I, everything I do should do should be for the good of everyone else and sacrifice myself. And like, that's not always healthy. Like we do it to an unhealthy degree. And so a lot of it for me comes from this like reclaiming of myself. Yeah. Um, there is definitely part of it that's just like, what a cool aesthetic. Um, right. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that, <laughs> Got like... those blacks and reds and... Like, that there's not like, some part of it that's like, oh, you're secretly a little bit goth. Um, uh-huh. But there definitely is more to it for me than just, you know, like, <laughs> blood magic. Um, <laughs> and the idea that, like, you know, especially in, in blood magic, that, like, the force that I'm using to channel this thing is my own life force this isn't something Mm. that i am pulling from somewhere else that i am relying on another source again it's about myself and the power within me yeah and those things are very important to me yeah it's great so that is my that that is my thoughtful answer also the clothes just look dope the aesthetic is phenomenal and uh (laughs) extraordinarily uh yeah, you, yeah. 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 Like, also, it's great aesthetics. Like, it's just yeah. cool. <laughs> it's um, just cool. Yeah. But there's, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's more a to reason it. why the villains, like, look the coolest in a lot of shows. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, Blood Magic looks cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, self, self, uh, self reclaiming. Self actualization. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Like it. Very cool. All right. Oh, that's right. It is my question. Okay, so on that note of, you know, like, really deep lore and understanding, mm-hmm. Ryan, vanilla or chocolate? This is uh, honestly a complex answer for me. Oh. Um, if I had to choose one, it would be vanilla. Of course it would. Ah! Of course it would. Um, simply because... Um, Don't be one of those choc- people that's like, it's actually such a really complex flavor. No, 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 nothing like that. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a nice, simple flavor. That's why I like it a lot yeah. because it's like um, if I want something like simple, smooth, and something that I can add stuff to. Right, vanilla is my go-to. Right, um, ideally vanilla mixed with chocolate. Uh, oh, the twisty course. swirl. Of course it is. Of course it is. is Ryan, once again, folks, at the top not of the list. making a decision. But it's a decision. Like, there's a reason why when I go to Tom's and I get an ice cream cone, it's going to be a twist, right? Because where's Tom's? Tom's? Oh, you don't have Tom's down there? Oh my gosh, so. Tom's driving is uh, it's a uh, like a oh, a we burger don't have drive-ins place. down here, Ryan. Come on, this yeah, is a big city. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> this is a big city near Milwaukee. <laughs> the big city, the uh, you know, population seventeen thousand. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even if I go to Culver's, I'll get vanilla and chocolate. Okay. But they'll just scoop them together, and oh. it's not as yeah, fun. Yeah, see, if I because, go to Culver's, I get a mixer. Yeah. So. So, yeah, All vanilla right. and chocolate is, is my go-to. All right. But if you had to pick one, you'd pick vanilla. I'd, yeah, I'd have to. I mean, chocolate has too many varieties. Mm-hmm. There's, like, 
you know, darker chocolate, chocolate swirl, chocolate fudge, and you know, all this other chocolate stuff. Yeah, that but you usually when you go chocolate. and get chocolate ice cream, you're just like, chocolate? I guess yeah. this question doesn't specify ice cream. It does just say it vanilla or chocolate. It doesn't specify ice cream. But I don't know, like, what other situation you'd be in where they're, like, vanilla or chocolate. Because, like, nobody hands you, like, a box of chocolates that's, like, vanilla or chocolate. It would be, like, yeah, white and, or dark, and, right? like, yogurt, you can get vanilla yogurt, but chocolate yogurt? I mean, you can. I, like, Yopalix makes, like, a chocolate mousse yogurt. You can, It's not bad, but it's definitely still yogurt. Uh-huh. Um, um, which, by the way, I want to go on record as saying, y'all, frozen yogurt is not ice cream. Stop it. If you want to eat frozen yogurt, frozen yogurt is fine. That's fine. But stop pretending it's ice cream because oh, it's custard. not. Frozen custard is better than ice cream. Frozen custard, absolutely better than ice cream. Um, yeah. I also think ice cream is still better than frozen yogurt. I would rank it frozen custard ice cream yep. frozen yogurt. I would I'd frozen custard ice cream frozen yogurt right um, right and I don't I don't know if I've had enough frozen yogurt to have a good opinion on it but I do know it is lesser than ice cream in terms of and like, uh, experience right, like for me for sure I think like if if you love it you go for it you know like mm-hmm. I know people that love frozen yogurt but stop telling me that it is a replacement for ice cream because it is not it Fro-yo. is not I'm so oh Okay. YOLO FROYO. No. <laughs> no. Just because you can put toppings on it. Uh-huh. No. Okay. Yeah, maybe I avoid. I, I come to think of it, I don't know if I've ever had frozen yogurt simply because people kept calling it froyo. Mm, that's a good reason to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's. I had that's not the case. had a ton of it. Like, I'd had it here and there when it was like the only option. Um, and then my sister did work at a frozen yogurt place for a while. So we would go oh. every so often. And like a lot of them have school fundraisers and stuff. Okay. Um, although they do seem to split it like 50, 50 between like, is it at smart cow, the frozen yogurt place, or is it at Roberts, the family owned custard establishment down the street? In which case yeah. for sure going to Roberts. Yeah. Um, that's a whole Get other that situation custard. here that people don't really need to know about. The answer for me is definitely chocolate. Um, if you look at my pinned tweet right now that has like all of my bio information, the very last yeah. one says that I do not like roller coasters. I think vanilla ice cream is boring and flamingos are my favorite animal. There you go. Um, so I felt important to not like that. It was important enough to put in my bio <laughs> yep. that I have a pretty strong opinion on it. Well, there you go. But I have stronger and- opinions on frozen yogurt than I do on chocolate <laughs> or vanilla. So <laughs> there um, you we go. just lost well, a lot of listeners right there. It's it, oh, uh, it's but we're from Wisconsin, so you know. Yep, we have strong uh, opinions we, on these things. We know dairy on dairy based desserts. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, well, welcome to dairy, uh, delicious dairy discussion. Yep. <laughs> D three. All right. Okay. Next question. This one's from Derek D. Uh, any tips for making NPCs that fit in settings but aren't too tropey? Um. Yeah, actually, I think for me, um, a thing that I've said throughout the course of this show over the last four years is that characters become characters to me when they have flaws. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can make the tropiest NPC in the world. Yeah. But like, if you add some flaws to them as a person, it starts to take away from that. Um, Provided that the flaws are not like 
part of your trope, right? Right. Um, which is where my love for random tables absolutely comes in. That's that's what I was going to say. I when I did um very short stint of running D and D. All the NPCs I created, there was this random table. I can't remember what book it was in. I think it was a 3.5 book somewhere. Um, you could roll. Sure. No, it was a, it was a D&D 3.5 book. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were like, duh. <laughs> Come on. You fooled me before. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, but there's a random table for like random NPC quirks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you could you could go to this table and be like, roll it up and, oh, this person has a stutter. This person has... Um, like a nervous tick, um, or this person has, you know, like, or, or, or you know, whatever has like a mole yeah, like or some whatever kind of that they're conscious or defining Yeah, something, or something like that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great because like I could roll up an NPC and, and, or, or say, oh, you meet the shopkeeper and roll the table and, and play them however it rolls up. Right. And that right. gives them this nice little flavor. Um, usually it's kind of, you know, uh, something memorable, or like a flaw or whatever that that the NP or the characters will remember. Um, it did uh, throw them off when I rolled. This person is nervous. They thought they were hiding something. Mm. They're just socially awkward and nervous. Right. It's like they're, it they were they were literally just uh just a guild master that was socially awkward and nervous. Yeah. And what do you want? Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not up to no good. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's the one thing about players, right? Is that like every so often they look for things that are not there and you're like, no, y'all, no. Um, I'm playing through Wonderlands right now. Uh, Great game. Cannot suggest Mm. it enough, especially if you love the Borderlands games. Wonderlands is phenomenal. Um, But it does, there are a couple missions like that where like Tina is playing the Bunker Master and she's... Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, okay, you meet a guy in a blue hat and they're like, seems shifty. And she's like, no, he's just a normal guy in a blue hat. And they're like, no, we got to find out what he's up to. He's probably up to something secret. And like (laughs) this whole mission of like chasing this guy around. And she's like, guys, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a normal guy. And like, it was so relatable. (laughs) Like, (laughs) So then she like ends up, you know, like making, she's like, fine, you've I don't know, find a secret door, I guess. <laughs> like, oh. it's just because, like, they won't let it go. Uh huh. And it's just, it's, it was like, wow, that's like the most relatable gaming experience ever of like players oh, being amazing. like, no, there's definitely something here. And you being like, no, <laughs> there really isn't. I cannot really stress not. this enough. He is normal. <laughs> just, he's just a little different than all the guy. other boring NPCs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think random tables are are your friend in the, these scenarios, honestly. Like, yeah, definitely. You, um, I think because it does, you, you can't be tropey when you're just randomly picking things, you know. And and be upfront with your players, too. Say, hey, uh, I'm rolling random personalities for some of these characters that you're meeting. Don't look into it too much, <laughs> you know. I love uh, that you think that that's going to stop them. So, like, the moment I you're understand. like, don't it look at lim- you, it, pay no attention to the things. man behind the curtain. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, if you if you have a table of open communication, right, and, right. like, a lot of things are, uh, quote-unquote, on the table, uh, then it's going to be uh, a little bit easier for your players to just ignore some of those random quirks that, that make NPCs people instead of just... I'm the tavern person. I'm the shopkeeper. I'm I'm the guild master. I'm right. the town guard. 
Right. It's like, no, this is the town guard named Jerry that, you know, has hiccups like 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. He's got a wife and three kids at home. Yeah. Dealing with some financial issues, but, you exactly. know, they're keeping their heads up. Exactly. <laughs> and like literally two two or three random tables, you can get all all those sorts of little details and goodness gracious, uh, flesh out those NPCs Definitely. Uh, pretty, pretty easily. Definitely. And there are like whole books that are just, you know, for creating NPCs and personalities and things like that. Yeah, um, and and if Amelia ever gets on it and makes those tables of random hats and and scarves and other accessories, yes, that's um, true. That's and true. Sells them on itch for yeah, a dollar. Put them on itch. Yeah. <laughs> I want them have to all, all be like you have to like use a different method every time for like this one is like you must pull Jenga blocks from a tower and however many you pull and then it falls down is the answer on the table and then this one's just flipping a coin and then this one is like <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> they gotta be easy. Well, I'll make two versions. There you go. Yeah. This is this is for the advanced, right? Uh, quote unquote, real yeah. gamers. Yeah, this is for advanced Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons, right? <laughs> advanced D and D five E. Yeah. There you go. Um. All right. This question is from Kevin. What does it mean to ameliorize or ran ranificate <laughs> your D and D game? Um. <laughs> Ryan, what does it mean to Ryan, Ryanificate? Ryan, okay. Ryan, I want to say like Ryanificate, but that sounds like pontificate, which is like not. <laughs> right. Right. Ryan, but like ameliorate sounds like ameliorate, which is like a whole uh-huh. different thing too. So, yeah. Uh, what does it mean to okay. Ryanificate your game? So, I feel like um, Ryanize might yeah, be. Yeah, Ryanize. So, traditionally, my games, if I'm, if I'm homebrewing stuff, you can like be 90 to 95 percent assured it will involve multiple dimensions at some point oh interesting yeah either you're gonna be uh dimension hopping at some point or going to another world that's alien and unknown previously to the civilization that you come from um all, all sorts of things like that if if I'm running like a full campaign of sorts, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in there that's going to happen, um, because that that gives you the option to blend genres, and now you're in my nonsense. Yeah, that's right? fair. I do want to point out that the word ameliorate, which is is spelled like my name, mm-hmm. um, does mean to take something bad and make it better. Oh, so nice. I just want to like point out that we could we could go ahead and like it doesn't have to be ameliorized. Like we can we can ameliorate. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> in order to ameliorate D and D, in my games, it it is really about there not being a clear definition of what is right or what is wrong. Mm. Um, not because I'm like go nuts. Nothing is right. like there's no rules. Um, but rather because I think some of the fun is in having to make difficult decisions mm-hmm. and having to like, I think a game is most interesting when it is not prescriptive, I guess, mm-hmm. when it's not clear, this is the thing you have to do. Right. And, um, I, I think when we, when we infuse games with like a really strong, like sense of morality or something like that, it, it takes away some of the fun for me because it's like, okay, well, it's obvious what you want me to do here. So, like, Mm -hmm. I guess we'll go to the thing, you know. Um, Yep. 
Whereas like playing in that moral gray area forces me to really think about like, why am I making this decision as a character? Um, Mm. And forces a little bit more role play and um, complexity on a game. So, So for me, it's really about they're not always being a clear right or wrong about having consequences to even good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it opens a lot more avenues for, for role play yeah. and for like, like decision-making for me as a player. Can, can you imagine like a villain that is so into that, like I'm doing the right thing and they're so convincing about that, that the heroes join them. Yeah. I mean, instead like, of stopping them. Right. Like, wait, wait, you're doing what? Yeah. For, for what reason? Right. Oh, Right. I mean, I have like really strong feelings about like when I play L5R and you're playing this like samurai upper class in a feudal society of like, I'm not the good guy. Like, Uh I'm not, you know. Um, And that's a really interesting zone to play, especially like if you like with the caveat, like if you actually play in that zone, you know, if you don't make the assumption that like I'm here and I'm the good guy and any decision I make is the right decision. And, you know, like. I like being able to play with that of like, okay, like I'm socially doing the right thing, but morally, is that correct? You know, like Mm -hmm. this is expected, but is it really right? You know, Um, so that, in my opinion, is how you ameliorate a bad game. Plus, why wouldn't you join up with the person that has the cooler aesthetic? Well, right. I mean, that's like the important thing, too, is like, you know, (laughs) uh, I don't. (laughs) There's a Star Wars episode of Phineas and Ferb. Um, where like Candace is is a stormtrooper. Um, she there's a song about like in the Empire, and she's talking about it. And then like there's a line in the song is like, "Plus I always look so good in white." <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> um, and I just think about that. Like, I you yeah. just like look cooler. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question is from anonymous. Uh, if you had to do a podcast about something unrelated to RPGs, what would it be about? Ryan, it's time <laughs> to talk about our accidental podcasting moment. Uh-huh. I this it, question. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me about your thesis. Yeah. So Ryan and uh, I both independently had this thought and like didn't say like I'm I've like never said it out loud because I'm like, if I say it out loud, it's real and I have to make a podcast. Uh-huh. Um but for a long time, I've really been fascinated with like the really niche topics that people yes. pick for their capstones and their theses and to like focus on in school. Yep. And so for me, mine was about voter t- participation in European Union level parliamentary elections. It yeah. was like, if we give more power to the European Parliament, which is the only directed, directly elected body in the European Union, do people then, one, participate more in parliamentary elections and Two, view the European Union as being more democratic. That mm. was my that was my capstone project, oh, right? Nice. Um, the answer is no. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> um, it is a it is a deficit of caring, not of democracy. I forget how huh. I how I worded it. It was more right. eloquent than that. But since then, I've been really fascinated with like why do people choose the weird specific stuff that they choose and we were having a conversation at one point where ryan's like yeah i really want to start a podcast where i just like ask people about their theses and i was like me too i know Ah." (laughs) if we had time if we had time yeah that was one of those like if our patreon makes enough money 
someday. Yeah, because like, if 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 we could get it to a point where we just had to record it and like, yeah, like could pay somebody else to edit it or whatever. Yeah, because those ones like wouldn't have to be six hour, you know, but like a one one done kind of episode. Oh, Um, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we could we could easily, honestly, get away with one hour recording with one person once a month and release on a monthly cadence, and those would be the easiest things to edit. Right, because it's just discussion. It's like I could probably get it done within an hour. Right, right. So this is our pie in the sky dream that we accidentally had once again. It's the same podcast idea, Um, (laughs) and it was like this aha moment of like, if only we had time. Right, I know. But this has been our for both of us. I think for a while, a dream podcast of like, please tell me about. Yeah, let us get excited. Like, let us get excited about the thing you are excited about because like, there's nothing better than that contagious joy, right? Of like listening to somebody in their element. Like it's it's like the pure human experience. Like soaking that in. Yeah, and for me, I think like on the other side of it is also just like the fascination of like, how did you end up there? Like how, how did you get so deep into something that you were like, let me look at Eurobarometer statistics to see which people in which countries feel that the European Union is specifically democratic so that in 2010, you can write your capstone thesis paper and write that (laughs) the UK does not care about the European Union. And if ever a country was going to leave, it would be them. And then a few years later, it's like, ta-da, I was right all along. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why you were right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that that was so funny that we had this moment of like, we both want to start the same podcast. Like, we can't. We cannot. We absolutely we cannot. We can't. We can't. Not right now. Um, maybe, but maybe once like, the kids who, are in, is it really maybe. hard to like both be holding each other off? Yeah, like, and who's to say? I mean, like someday. six years from now, someday. to ten years from yeah, now. Yeah, if we've been doing this I'm, forever, like four or five years. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I say, like, no, like really, if like if we have a Patreon at a point where like we can, you know, and I yeah. like have more hours in the day, and you know, whatever. I don't know why we'll, money we'll is what, the thing. It's not. It's not. not. It's literally time. <laughs> it's literally time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, next question is from Daryl. What are three RPGs you haven't gotten to do yet, but are extremely looking forward to creating characters for in their systems? Ooh. We've answered this a little bit. I know Ryan wants mm-hmm. to do Wander Home, Lumen. Yep. yep. Something else. Ah, uh, gosh. Um, probably Coyote and Crow. It's on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really would like to create characters in the Dune RPG. Ooh. Um, because it also has house creation. What? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll so, put that. I'm going to put that on the list. Um, yep. Uh, I also am like really interested in the Fallout RPG because it oh. is not a game that I would want to play. Um, yeah. Because it, it does have some inventory management stuff, which we've discussed. <laughs> But it is exactly what I would want a Fallout RPG to be. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in creating characters in it. Um, just because I okay. do I do love Fallout. And uh, I just want to, like, mess around in it with it. 
without having to mess around with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are, I think right now, like the ones that have been kind of on my brain, um, I really want to do Dune. Having only actually read that book, I've only read the first one, um, you know, the important one, uh, like in the last <laughs> couple of years, I guess. Right. 2020, I read it um, when I was not working full time. Mm-hmm. Read a lot of books and I finally read Dune. Um, and was like, oh, okay, I see why this is like the quintessential, you know, like, Yes, it's problematic, but I see, I see, I see right. why it had the effect that it did. Um, but the game is very interesting. Hmm. Uh, what else? Yeah, color me intrigued. Yeah, um, I definitely think there's some others that I'd I'd like to play around it. Like City of Mist really interests me. Okay. Um, is one that we haven't gotten to look at at all yet, um, and I'm not um, super familiar did, with the base. At least I did it, a uh, spotlight on that one. Uh, on City of um, Mist. City of Mist way back. In, that was, I think, our first spotlight. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that was a while ago. Hmm. Um, but I think only- it was. But yeah, it, it, we didn't create characters. Yeah. However. Right. Uh, but yeah, it looked really interesting. That was the one with the, the with the playing cards. It's like PBTA with playing cards, if I remember correctly. Okay. I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess you did way back in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That was a while ago. Okay. Or a little baby uh, segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like August 2018. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, right. Like, uh, I think while I was uh-huh. gone at Gen Con, maybe. Yeah, I um, think so. Like, <laughs> peak like a month before I got divorced. So yeah. I was like, maybe like a little busy. <laughs> um, so, okay. Maybe not that one. But it seems interesting yeah, the, to me. There's, there's a lot of good games out there. Yeah. Uh, as we've established multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then um also like obviously we would love to cover some like maybe more classic white wolf ones i'd really love to cover vampire or something at some point yeah eventually we'll get yeah. there yeah just because it's interesting uh, yeah speaking of vampire um this next pack uh, this next question comes from mike uh it is uh I feel like sometime in the 90s, the future of TTRPGs was a battle between Vampire the Masquerade and Rifts and Vampire 1. What? That, those are words. Uh, we'll have words about at least. Yeah, I it's interesting because I I think. It kind of did, though. It honestly. did. Like, I think. Here's the thing. is like, I think Vampire 1 long term. I think short term, it did not. Right. I think there was a big surge in Rifts and games like it that were really yeah. crunch, like really skill heavy but i think long term vampire is the one that has held on yes so the question continues um have you noticed a movement in ttrpgs to remove crunch from games i'm thinking of a simulationist systems like heroes unlimited versus more storytelling games like masks or am i just an old man who came to ttrpgs via war games strategy games instead of an old man who came to ttrpgs from a creative background no, I don't think that you're just an old man. Uh, right. I have no, this is, no idea how old you are, but I think absolutely this is the trend. trend. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because like um, the 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 narrative of the RPG uh, design experience, it really had been crunch up until uh, almost the PBTA era began with, uh, with Apocalypse World, right? And I believe that was early on, if I remember correctly. Um, and once that started catching on more, that that sort of narrative play just became more ingrained in the indie sphere right. of, of game development. And then 
that kind of moved even further. And even some of that is kind of seen in D&D 5e. Um, they got rid of a lot of crunch from 3.5. They did. They did. And, and now 5e is much, much more streamlined. Um, yeah, there's a know, lot way, fewer skills. There's a lot, you know, like yeah. we're doing a lot less with percentages and, you yeah. know, all of that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know uh, I know back in the day, Riffs, uh, goodness gracious, uh, was a, a behemoth of a system. Like, I, I can't even imagine utilizing all of the world books, all of the dimension books, all of the source books, all of the, like, source books of source books. It's, like, ridiculous, let alone the main books and then the conversion books and the... <laughs> <laughs> right. It goes on and on. Right. But think about that, though. Like, you're not doing that with D&D 5e either. Exactly. You know, like, even if you look at just official books for D&D, there's tons of them. And you're not you're not using all of those. Yeah. So. And I mean, uh, Rifts, they, they did come out with Savage World Rifts, yeah. right? Um, so, like, utilizing the same sort of setting using the Savage World setting. But which, again, that's, uh, that is a much lighter exactly. system. Exactly. I think that's the thing is like getting rid of the complexity to make games more appealing to a wider uh, breadth of people. I think that they're, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a combination of things. I I think that, yeah, it is, it is about appeal to newer audiences, making them easier for people to come to. I also think it is this um, surge in indie designers that you have games being made by people who are not lifetime game designers, that they're not yep. people whose whose brains are working in that same space yeah. of like, I design games and that's what I do. You have people who are like, okay, like I'm a lawyer in my day job or, mm-hmm. you know, I am in tech. I am you know, like anything. Um, yeah. The variety of like day jobs of people that we've had on our show has been um astounding and it makes it more approachable for people to work in those spaces i also think that we have had a rise in the sort of like toolkit kind of systems um you know like the 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 ogl has been around forever right yeah so like people have always been able to muck around in, in that um but now there are so many versions of that that you mm-hmm. can play around in and and obviously a variety of legal frameworks around those things, right? Like who owns mm-hmm. them and, you know, like what happens if you make something in Genesis is very different than like what happens if you, you know, do something in Lumen um, right. or Cortex or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have the ability to utilize more of those, like not everything. It was like you're either working from the ground up or using the OGL. Whereas yeah. now it's like, okay, is it PBTA? Is it Cortex? Is it mm-hmm. Savage Worlds? Is it, you know, like there's just so many options for people. Yeah. And I think as more of them become narrative, um, we see, you know, like breeds like, right? right? So like as more systems become narrative and more of these toolkits become narrative, mm-hmm. the games overall are continuing to be more narrative. So I don't, I don't think it is just yeah. that you are an old person. I have no idea how old you are, Mike. Um, I feel old sometimes. So unclear, but I, I don't think that you are wrong in seeing that pattern. I absolutely think yeah. that games are becoming more and more focused on storytelling. I, I think mm-hmm. 
that I think because we're delineating because like war games and RPGs were kind of like this same connected, Mm -hmm. like same different versions of the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and now it's like, are you playing like Warhammer the mini game or are you playing Warhammer the RPG? And that's totally different. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know? So, um, yeah, I think they've really split off from each other. Mm -hmm. And and it's not to say that there's not a place Right for, oh, for uh, sure. like a hardcore strategy uh, RPG out there, right? Right. Um, it, and I know, and a they few do of them, exist. Yeah, yeah, there are a few that exist, and there's a few that are coming up. Uh, I know the Marvel one. Uh, we keep talking about that one's supposed to be like heavily in the crunch and and heavily strategic. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what that's all going to entail, but. You know, uh, it's it's just one of those things. I and and like you said, the toolkits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the being able to make games from an existing system that's out there, like being it makes able it to a make lot a more PBT approachable game. for new designers. I feel like if exactly. I were going to make a game, that's absolutely the route I would go. Is yeah, because I've too. got this idea for like a world, or I've got this idea for implementing a certain genre or whatever, and then it's like, well, what framework's going to fit that? The I best? mean, I say that, and like I, you know, the little bit of game design I was doing was like not even in a toolkit system. It was just like I'm going to reskin a game, <laughs> like yeah. So yeah, exactly. So it's I don't know. Yeah, the barrier for entry for game design is much lower than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that you have the internet, it's much lower to even sell these games. Yeah. And I so, think, yeah, that's another thing too, right? Is that, you know, it's, it's easy for more people to get their hands on those games too. Yep. So I think it is a variety of, of factors, but yes, I did do think that they are going that direction. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Kevin asks, what rules or mechanics make it distinctly Ryan or Amelia ish? Oh, Interesting. Oh, what rules or mechanics make it distinctly, Ryan? I mean, I guess uh, collaborative world building uh, rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, big for me. Um, I mean, if you want to roll into my nonsense completely, anything that that like gamifies the blending of genres or uh, magical girls. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know about like if there are like specific mechanics. I guess for me, it is do mechanics advanced story yeah i think that's what really does it for me is that like are the way that you interact with the numbers in the game Mm -hmm. or is the way that you interact with the numbers um telling of what you're doing there yeah that's really where it's at for me i think so too yeah absolutely because like there's there's nothing more disappointing than i'm going to do this really cool thing my character is going to be amazing in this and you roll and fail Right. And and the result of that is you fail. And that's it. And now this is the next person's turn. And that's so like you're just boring. trying the same thing. Okay, like yeah. you roll perception. Now you roll perception. Now you uh-huh. roll perception. It's not interesting. <gasps> right? <sighs> but like in games like PBTA, it's like, oh, you roll this thing that's equivalent to perception, say, and you fail. It's not just a fail. Now the GM gets to throw something wild at you. The story gets turned upside down. Um, and, and now you have to deal with something totally different that you didn't think you had to deal with. And it's part of the narrative. Uh, I am going to also shout out to my BFFL5R here. Um, <laughs> and actually uh, Cortex does this as well. Um, approaches, big fan I of approaches. I love approaches. Um, yeah. If what you roll 
is determined by what you are trying to do. And especially in those like perception or investigation kind of checks, if the information that the GM then provides is different based on how you went about doing that thing. So in L5R, when you like, you know, roll with air, you're doing things in sort of like a roundabout kind of tricky way. If you do it with earth, you are doing it in a, you know, sort of like stalwart kind of Mm -hmm. thoughtful way. Um, And I like when you then have to role play, you know, so that you can't walk and be like, I walk in and do this. I roll with earth. It's like, no, you don't. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't always roll with your best dad. So yep. uh, I really like, again, when the mechanics enhance the plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, literally look at how I designed Chimera and that's, that's me in a game. Yeah. Right. Like it has all, it has approaches. It has collaborative world building. It has magical girls. It has like, uh, yeah, well, we said mechanics, know, narrative consequences. Not, <laughs> magical narrative girl consequences. is not a mechanic. <laughs> I mean, there's a transformation mechanic. Well, that's not really. Uh, wait, uh, it's in there. Whatever. It's a stretch. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question. Brian can't uh, just keep think... saying magical girls world building. That's not, know, that's not a mechanic. It's on repeat right now. Okay. Next question. Um, I apologize if we do not get this name correct. Uh, Niels Martin Strom uh, Josefsen. Uh, please, please let us know if we got that correct or not. Um, this one is uh, when preparing a game with, say, four pre-generated characters, do you have any advice for character creation? Boy, howdy, do I? <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, allow players to make some choices. Yes. So when I ran O5R at conventions, I um, shout out to Katrina Ostrander, who is one of the designers of the game and did this in her game um, and kind of gave me the the tools to do it myself. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I created the character sheet sort of playbook style so that people could uh, kind of finish the character. So basically what I did was like, I made them halfway and then said, you know, instead of like, okay, pick 10 skills and then put them over here. I was like, you can pick from this or this, mm-hmm. you know, instead of handing them book and saying like, go, you say, okay, do you want A or B? Um, just enough to kind of like flavor things. So when Mm -hmm. you get to that point of like advantages or disadvantages, give them a list, let them circle, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's enough to let people like you, you lead them right up to the finish line. Yes. Um, I also suggest if you're, if your question is more like, how do you make pre-generated characters? Um, give people sort of a variety of options Mm -hmm. i think um if you're planning on having four players maybe have like six characters um and give people like a taste of like each thing that you can kind of do and it's up to you i guess whether you are like okay we can have two wizards or like only one person can play the wizard Mm -hmm. um but just remember that like you know, not everybody at the table wants to do the same thing or, you know, people do have yeah. their preferences, especially when you're playing with pre-generated characters. You want something that feels kind of like in your wheelhouse. I yeah. Think. Um, I I also like the um, the pre-established relationships um, as well. Like when I go to a con game and we pick up the characters and we have to get into play right away. Right. Mm-hmm. And here's your pre-gens. Which one do you want? 
then I can see, oh, this character is the best friend of this other character oh, at the table. Like that. Um I, I do like that in terms of like, okay, now I get to role play this thing. Like one of my most memorable experiences was a 10 player, two table game of Cypher system mm-hmm. where we had to travel uh it'd be back and forth between the past and the future and and all this other shenanigans, and then the tables got mixed up. But like my character was just this veteran soldier that I was like, I don't know the system. I'm kind of shy to playing in conventions. This is my first convention. Um, I'll pick the easy character, right? Mm -hmm. Turns out this guy was a father to another character that at the other table. Gotcha. And I was like, this person is your son. And I'm like, I don't know. This person is not at my table. I guess they're probably at the other table because all the characters are taken. And then once those met up, now I had this huge hook on how to play with this other character. Yeah. See, as somebody who's like super socially awkward, I don't like that because it's like the potential of like, okay, now you have to like link up and role play with this person that you don't know. And like, I feel sort of like, like, I understand that like in some instances, it definitely could be like a way to get people to talk to each other and, you know, Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff. But also I'm like, okay, now I like am tied to this person. I don't know what their role play style is. I don't know. So I would, honestly go back to like the sort of like leaving blanks is have some of those links like available to people maybe yeah and like let them pick if they want to do it that way Um, right or or make them less severe like my first con experience was with numenera and it was like when you use your firepower this other person's fire that is constantly there turns your color interesting so it's like my firepower was green. So whenever I use my firepower, somebody else's character's fire turns green as well. Yeah. And it's like, there's just this like weird little link that doesn't technically matter, yeah. but it, it's a fun little thing. Yeah. I think, I think like, you know, we always talk about like having those relationship questions too. I think it's a good, mm-hmm. um, they don't take a lot of time, but you know, right. like letting people kind of build some of those too. Um, yeah. I think um, if you really leave those for, links, it's for, probably good preparing pre-generated characters i think my advice is just like make sure you have a little bit of everything yeah um and then like i said um kind of get them like 75 to 90 percent of the way there and then let other people do the Mm -hmm. rest yeah and it depends on your story too if are these characters going to be integral to the story that you're going to be presenting or does it not matter who the characters are and the story is going to happen you know, how you had prepared it and whoever is there, like if there's a rogue or not, it doesn't matter. Right. But like with the rogue, it opens up this other avenue without the rogue. It closes that avenue and it's not a big deal. Right. Because mm-hmm. it really depends on the game you're playing. Um, if you need a balanced group or not, if it's going to be like a combat heavy game, you, you don't want a bunch of characters that are not going to be combat capable. Yeah. All that sort of stuff, right? Right. And similarly, like, if you have a game that's going to be, like, investigative, maybe don't make a character that's, like, super combat-focused because then, like, that player's going to be bored. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely keep in mind the kind of game that you're running when you start making those characters because you want to make sure that every character type has something that they're going to be able to do and do well for the advancement of the story. That's definitely a mistake that I've seen people make is that, like... You give somebody the, you know, 
the dualist or whatever, but you have no duel in your story. Like, yeah, you know, every character has to have a chance to shine in the story that you're preparing. Yes. Yes. Um, And so if you have six characters, all six characters need a point that you can have them shine completely within that story. Mm -hmm. Um, At least one major point. Yeah. Um, And if two of the characters aren't chosen, it has to be fine that those two yeah, major points are Yeah, make sure the story can move forward up. without them. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a both pre-gen characters sort of thing plus also story generation, right? Yeah. yeah I feel like we didn't really make it easy there, but that's our advice, right? Like, no. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But um, yeah, make sure and, that your your story and your characters fit, whether people pick them or not. And again, yeah. I think anything that gives players at least a little bit of buy-in yeah, and and lets them sort of make their characters their own, even if they are pre-generated, is going to go a long way. 100%. Uh, Next question. Oh, my God. (laughs) Of course you get this one. Uh, How is a Ninja Turtle not a magical girl that just uses ooze to affect a transformation? I don't know, Jude. It's not. This is one of those, like, is a Pop-Tart ravioli? I'm not answering this question. The thing is what it is. A Ninja Turtle is not a magical girl. Please go away. Okay, so 100% (sighs) not a magical girl, and I'll tell you why. Oh, my God. Please don't dignify him with a response. (laughs) No, no. We are professionals and Jude is not going to derail this with nonsense I know, questions. because that's what he wants. What he wants <laughs> is us to fall apart. You're right. Please give him a well-thought-out answer, because that will make him the angriest. So, how is a Ninja Turtle not a magical girl that uses use to affect a transformation? This is the thing. Magical girls have two-way transformations. They transform into their oh, magical good forms. Call. Good and call. they transform back. Okay? And it's it's usually at will or... Within a certain time period or amount of effort, magical expenditure, um, whatever factor that, yeah, yeah. Um, The ooze, from what I understand, and I could be wrong on this, it Mm. transforms from one creature into the like humanoid version of said creature, right? right? Granting them sentience. Right, they don't un ninja or un turtle. Exactly, or un mutant. I guess really is the part. Right. Now, on. there might be some storylines where they have de-evolutionizing ooze, but even then... It's that's, not a central focus of the story. And, it, like, it's, balancing it's, the difference between being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and just being, like, a regular teen or a regular turtle or a regular ninja yeah. isn't part of the story. It's not a part of the story at all. No. Yeah, And they they it, it might have some self-discovery or whatever but like it's not the main focus of the teenage mutant like, just stop it. it's not the right line. genre just stop it it's not it's not it's, it's not. a superhero genre it's and not. it's 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 a subgenre of superheroes just like magical girls is a subgenre of superheroes but completely different in terms of tone and themes and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. plus the ooze doesn't you can't transform back magical. i mean i feel like that's it's, really like the important part here is you can't yeah. transform back it's a mutation. Exactly. It's a permanent mutation. It's not yeah. a... Yeah. Yeah. You're not just transforming. It's just not for magic. Battle. It's just gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. That's just science. That's just science. That's just science. Mm-hmm. Take that, Jude. <laughs> That's the All last right. of his questions. Thank God. And, <laughs> that we know of. Watch, he'll, he'll have submitted one anonymously and we'll, we'll have to answer that. Yeah. 
It's fine. All right. This next question is from Danny. Uh, which character the other person has made do you think is the most like them? I.e. Ryan, which of Amelia's characters do you think is the most like her and vice versa? Oh, man. Um, so uh, your your masks character probably uh-huh. is high up on that list. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say our alchemistress's characters. Okay. <laughs> Where we immediately, I was like, you're water, I'm fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just like right away. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that those might be. Aside, aside it. from like the, uh, the, the jock portion right. of the character. Cause I am a hundred percent. Oh, I mean, I wasn't a theater kid either. Right. But like personality wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'd say personality-wise, for, for sure. I mean, I don't think, like, I've shied away from... I mean, like, I know I'm supposed to be answering for you, but um, I don't think I've shied away from making me as a character yeah. at all. Her, her brilliance. Her brilliance. Wow, really? That's the one you pick? That's the one you pick? The self-centered, like... Great, great, great. Just kidding. Love it. Um, no, I, definitely your best character. The, the fiery, like... Um, type of personality but like uh you know really grounded as well and i think because that's what's fun for me to play is yeah. like i know that they are like me but i think that it's um it's a more confident powerful version of me right. and um and like again it's it's fun for me to play at the table it's fun for me to like be able to inhabit something that feels comfortable mm-hmm. that's what i want to do there you um, go. I feel like we've made a lot of characters that are a lot are like similar that. to us, though. Um, and and some characters very not like Dirge. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I've stretched my legs all that much. Uh huh. Um, I mean, you've you've thrown some heroes in the mix. I have. I've tried to make some like nice, genuinely yeah. like sweet people. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Okay, this question is an anonymous one. Uh, Ryan, why is Neptune your favorite? All right. Um, so, is it time for lots, your thesis now? Lots of thesis. Yeah, this is. Okay, I did my blood magic to, one. This is your thesis <laughs> time. Back to the Quake One days of the internet. Um, okay. Like mid to late nineties, I'd say ninety six, ninety seven period of time. Um, I was playing Quake One um, online a little bit with my modem and my keyboard only, no mouse. Whoa. And okay. yeah. And I was also obsessed with Sailor Moon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a group that were playing as the identities of the Sailor Scouts in their team matches. So like you would you, you were able to like skin your character yeah. back then. So you would be able to upload any skin to your character to look however you like, but it's still the same boxy character. Right, but you could pick colors and stuff, yeah. Colors and, and outfits and everything, so right? Yeah. Like, um, and they had customized uh, Sailor Scout outfits uh, for the Quake character, and it was ridiculous amazing. looking, but it was amazing. Um, so I, I joined up, and I was like, I, I definitely want... Uh, uh, my first pick would have been... Uh, Sailor Mercury, and my life would have been a hundred percent different at wow. that point, right? Because water based, right? 
Sailor Mercury was the the original water based Sailor Scout, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's so me. She's brilliant. Uh, she's amazing." I just and, can't imagine you as like anything else, right? So, but Sailor Mercury was taken. So I was like, "Well, what's the next best thing?" Okay. Um, Sailor Neptune. And I was like, "Okay, Sailor Neptune." I don't have much experience watching Sailor Neptune in the anime because the U.S. episodes only went so far at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I, uh, more I read about Sailor Neptune, the, the, the intelligence, the, the grace, the, uh, the, uh, violin playing, uh, piano art, uh, she does painting, like, like all this other like cultural stuff. That's just like, that's, I love that stuff too. Yeah. And it just kind of all fit. And then from there, it was just all downhill and I just. I just went from uh, SMC, uh, the Silver Millennium Clan, Neptune, uh, to Sir Neptune in various places. And then I wanted to get a little bit more fierce. Uh, so I went with Lord Neptune instead. Okay. Um, so it was more intimidating of a username when I joined Quake 3 servers and whatnot. Wow. Um, and, and from there, uh, Neptune's become my absolute favorite because, like, you know, the teal. And the the cerulean mm-hmm. color mix is just phenomenal, and and plus she's uh, she's amazing, and she's a, a lesbian icon. So, what do you want? <laughs> wow, yeah, I'm like shook. I can't believe that go. it wasn't always Neptune, right? Isn't it wild? Who would you be today if you were Lord Mercury? Oh, I don't even know if that would exist. Honestly, I don't know if I would have because Lord Mercury sounds kind of weird. I don't know why. Would this podcast even be here? <laughs> life what is my be. life now? <laughs> what is uh, every there was a, there was a major inflection point in my life that would have diverged absolutely everything after that point. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Uh, the the fates were kind to me. I guess. I guess so. Joined joined at the right time. Wow. I know. So there you go. Okay. That's why. Okay. Uh, plus, Neptune's a really cool planet. Sure. There you go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Kevin asks, what is a Ryan or Amelia themed D&D supplement book look like? Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like we've kind of touched on some of this. Mine, well, not really. I guess we've 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 touched on yeah. our themes. Mine definitely um, is going to talk about like dark magic and oh, and yeah. things like that, but I, I think it's going to do it in a more nuanced way than what yeah. is currently available in D and D. I don't think it's going to look like a lot of like chaotic evil, and you know, um, I think that that is something amazing. that D and D definitely lacks with its alignment system mm-hmm. is like any sense of nuance or subtlety. Yeah. So I think that would be something that I'd really want to focus on. Um, and, and, and obviously be... the economic implications of raising the undead. Absolutely. As, 100%. as I've been on record as saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, mine would have to be genre, bl- genre blending nonsense again. Um, I, I really think uh, magical girls can fit very well in a D&D environment. It's a uh, class that uh is is not there it's it's akin to warlock but like in a different sense yeah and i'm wondering if uh if if it's its own class or if it's if it's a subclass of warlock right magical uh, girl 
Yeah, because I can I can kind of see it working both ways, right? But it's not like a pact between anything. It's not a purposeful pact. It's like a destiny sort of thing, right? Yeah. So it would it would almost have to be its own class at that point. Um, and and I think you could do a lot of fun things with it, um, and a lot of th- fun things with turning various uh, spells into like cantrip level things, mm-hmm. where you could just keep casting fireball or whatever um but like that's all you get and and you can only do it while you're transformed interesting i don't know something like that i think that'd be a lot of fun to add to D. um it, it certainly wouldn't be a vroom vroom level of absurdity yeah but and it wouldn't be magical girl the the race selection right right um i think that's that was wrong. Be like a whole class yeah, it would yeah. be a class that any any race could become a part of, and yeah, and uh, and it would you'd just be a destiny based instead okay. of like whatever. So destiny magic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, mine would definitely be like more like a, a thesis on yeah. uh, the use of. I think yours magic. would probably sell better, honestly. Ah, uh, I think so. I don't like, know. There'd mine be might a lot be a of people academic. that be into that. Eh. Well, I mean, <laughs> still mechanics of like adding nuanced blood magic and necromancy to like D and D player characters, yeah, uh, would be phenomenal. Yeah, it would be fun. I think so too. Um, I think we got off a little bit, but we'll keep rolling uh, yeah. with it. That's fair. That's fine. I asked uh, you. Ha- I'm sorry. You did. That's fine. Has your favorite genre changed since doing C3? Has your perspective or things you like, dislike, want, don't want in and about RPGs changed since doing C3? This question is from Anonymous. No. Gosh. I I mean, I feel like, so we we did, when we talked about our, or we did our, uh, when we redid our episode zero, we talked a little bit about this, about like, you had this sort of change of like, liking things to be a little more complicated and yep. and things like that. And I honestly don't feel like I've shown the level <laughs> of growth as a human that you have. Um, I know. Well, because you were, you were already creating complex characters, right? Um, I mean, yes. Um, I think we just kind of came from like different backgrounds to it. Like yeah. I didn't start playing until later. Um, mm. And, and, like I played like one campaign when I was in high school and then I didn't play again until I was an adult. So right. it wasn't it like it was already, you know, like I was a parent and, you know, life mm-hmm. was more complicated. Right. Um, yeah. No, I don't think that I've, I don't think I've grown as a person. <laughs> uh, no, because I, I still really love like cyberpunk. I really love. Oh, yeah. Um, Sort of space magic-y kind of things i like you know like i still don't not really into the traditional fantasy um Mm -hmm. no i don't i don't think it has i think the answer for me is just no it hasn't um (laughs) and that's fine yeah i mean i I think like i want to be like oh i've like learned so much and and i have i have like i've been exposed to a lot of new things but i think more than anything it's sort of solidified that i i like what Mm -hmm. i like yeah i mean i'm willing to try more things and you know like I, i see I don't want to say mm-hmm. I see the value in things that I didn't before because I, I I think I did, but um, I've gotten better at like understanding why other people like those things maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a as a general rule, no, I don't I don't think my stuff has changed much. Yeah, 
I, for me, it's definitely reinforced some things, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's definitely like um, opened my eyes to a bunch of things as well. Obviously, um, like adding the extra complexity to characters uh, is is definitely great. Mm-hmm. Um, but like um, before C three, I didn't really think about RPGifying magical girls. Um, before C three, it was like uh, riffs uh fantasy worlds uh and and cyberpunk and superheroes and that's all i really knew uh for rpgs um cyberpunk is still well up there on the list of one of my favorite genres to tinker around in though because of you know the anti-capitalist nature of it all and everything but like magical girls you know that that's that's just top top tier right now so why not? Right. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I had to laugh because I it was, it was discovering, I mean, it was like maybe a year ago that I had this conversation. But when Jude and I first became friends, like five-ish years ago or whatever, I like the running joke was that he was like really into like evil things. And I was like, not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like as time went on, I was like thinking about like the books that I like and the things that I'd read and like the stuff that I did. And I was like, oh, actually, I was just in denial. Yep. <laughs> um, like actually I really love dark magic and like one mm-hmm. of my favorite book series was like about necromancy and like, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. um, there was a time when I, I pretended that this wasn't who I am, but mm-hmm. it is, it really is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm okay with that. I, I, that's fine. I, 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 have all that goodness inside of me but i also have a soft spot for uh the the allure of the dark side yeah so yeah there you go yeah all right Uh, my question Um, or your question i did not i accidentally did this one okay uh a movie studio finally takes the bait and offers to make a movie about your characters which series do you pick to go on the big screen or small screen if you prefer streaming or a TV series instead. This one's from Danny again. Uh, yeah. Answer number one, Danny, actually our series, because why is it not a Hallmark movie, Danny? Why? Uh, <laughs> right. Why is our Christmas Belonging series with this sweet yeah. honey kiss in, you know, like gold Yeah. Like gold pen. Like gold pen. I already made up a whole soundtrack for it. I know. So, um... Oh, it is so good. It's so um, good. Yeah. Um, other big blockbuster type? Well, the other one, uh, obviously, our, is our Inspector series needs to be a TV series. Like, I know that that's... I know that I picked the two TV. that were already, like, based on TV shows, but, like, I think those yeah, are, like, yeah. clear winners, right? Right. Um, for, for the other one, like, Unbound comes to mind. Yes. Would be phenomenal. I would absolutely watch that. Yeah. Like, that aesthetic was just, like... Chef amazing kiss. yeah uh crt punk is i think we yeah, called it that's what we called it yeah <laughs> uh that'd Agreed. be amazing uh that yeah too many of them yeah gosh but yeah i there you go i I, th- I think those are our top answers yeah i would say so absolutely all right we got only a couple more questions left we're a little over in time but i think we can power yeah, through I think these that, last like, three at this point we should yeah for sure all right uh, this question comes from Ian. 
We all know that in general, point buy systems are not where it's at for you. Honestly, same. But what sort of character creation system features would it take for you to give point buy a try? Um, now, I'm more point, pro point buy than you, I think. Yeah, well, because it involves math. Yeah. Um, so I, I honestly love a good point buy system where I can min max the heck out of a character. Yeah. Where I can be like, okay, if I if I buy these things and then I give up, uh, you know, these uh, uh, flaws and to get more points, um, then then maybe I can get this other thing. And then here's this really cool character that uh, that can you know one shot everybody at level one or something. Okay, you know something ridiculous. I I would like to just min max the heck out of it and. Especially if it's like a strategy-based sort of game, right? Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not totally against point buy. Um, for me, it really is just like about the math. Yeah. Um, it just needs to... I think my biggest problem with point buy systems, honestly, and I think trying to make a Star Wars character recently solidified this, is that when there are very clear answers about how you should spend your points, right? Like there's clearly a right mm -hmm. way to do it. Um, you know, somebody in our game recently was like, okay, can you just like remind me like how to do it? And I was like, yeah, you put all your points into characteristics and then when you have two left over, you buy one thing from your skill tree, right? Right. Like that's just how you like, <laughs> ta-da, solved it for you. Um, right. And so I think that's my, my big thing is that I want there to be, like, I want it to really be up to me. If you're going to let me buy things, yeah. if you're going to give me a system where you say, do whatever you want, I want to be able to do whatever I want. I want it to no not be... No trap options. Right, right. Um, yeah. Because, like, with the characteristics, it's like, well, you can't level them up later unless you complete a full skill tree. And you, you know, so it's like, yeah. well, okay, you've just had, like, you give me all these points, but I'm not yeah. really, and like, why didn't you just say, like, more... here's four things, split them among your characteristics and yeah. call it a day. Exactly. And I, it, uh, a pet peeve of mine is, hey, if you upgrade these during character creation, it's cheaper than if you do it during advancement. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, then, of course, I'm going to upgrade them during character creation. Right. Why wouldn't I? And now I'm missing out on all this cool stuff because you're telling me I have to upgrade the boring stuff for more price later. Right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I so I know. think it's like if it's going to be point by, I want it to truly be a point by and truly yeah. be my decision. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And make it fun. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, All right. Second last one. Here we go. I know. Uh, this question is from Mix. Why? Not about CCC or anything, just like at all. Yeah. Why? Uh, when this question came across our Discord, my answer was why not? Why not? Um, and I feel like that's, I'm going to stand by that. I had a fifth grade yeah. teacher that would put that on the end of tests. He would, he would put why. And the right answer was, why not? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, wh why not indeed, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I had a more succinct answer to this last night. Um, I was like, oh, I'll save that for the recording. But then I just forgot about it all. Um, honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's good to, uh, instead of not. And so why not? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think that that... <laughs> that uh, plus Blood Magic that. and Magical Girls, right. so why not? Uh, follow follow your bliss. Right. That's why. Yeah. Seems, seems reasonable. 
Nice life advice thrown in there. Right. Follow your bliss. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the final question, uh, the question that we didn't randomly put here, we put it here at the end because it just made sense to. Uh, this is from Anonymous. Uh, what question do you most want someone to ask of the show? I don't want the answer, just the question. I love that. And I, th- I think we put this here because uh, it was very difficult to get through this uh, question. It was like the fourth one that we asked originally, and I cut that out. Uh, right, and right. Because I think we end. were like, well, let's answer all these other questions and then see if there's anything that we still want to be asked. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't I don't know. There was a lot of really good questions. I think so. Uh, I mean, I really. these three episodes. Really, like, these were some thought-provoking questions. There were some that were really yeah. difficult to answer. Some that were just, like, fun, you know. But what mm-hmm. um, question do you most want someone to ask of the show? Yeah. I really, I really liked um, all the questions that came in. Um, I don't know. There, there, there's probably a lot more questions that you can ask. I'm, I'm always curious what uh, what fans are curious about. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I know I'm mostly an open book about whatever. So, uh, if if, you, if if we do this again next year, um, or in another four years, uh, you know. Just keep an eye out for when we have that forum open and and throw some questions our way. Um, I I, do, I don't I, think I, mean, I have we, anything else. I want to have a good questions answer for about, this, but I don't. We had questions about favorite sandwiches, but not about favorite foods in general. Uh, favorite TV shows. We haven't heard anything about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we could use more questions about like us as people. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think so. But you know, that's also like not really relevant to the podcast, so. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with like the way things were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it worked out I, well. Honestly, um, thank you all for this. This was um, almost 60 questions here. Yeah. So, so it was really good. Yeah. Somehow we got through uh, like almost 60 questions worth of uh, questions. This is uh, wild. Yeah. Truly. Uh, I, I, we really appreciate the amount of support that everybody has shown us over the years. Um, I think with the with this episode, it wraps up our official four year uh, anniversary celebration. Yes, uh, which is coming out at the end of June, um, and I'm I'm really thankful for everybody that's been with us over these last four years and everybody joining us uh, recently. Um, it, it truly makes means the world to us that you know people care about the thing that we're doing here and. Uh, that it's it's more interesting than, um, you know, than not. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that people have, have been on this journey with us and supported us. And um, I say it a lot, but like we, we wouldn't still be doing this if people didn't care. Um, yeah. I don't do it just for like the numbers or anything, but there's definitely something satisfying about knowing that it resonates with people. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. been a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to to not having to cry myself to sleep at night because <laughs> we've covered more games. That's exactly. Yeah. We, we get to learn more about the games. We get to make some characters, and we get to play a little bit of fanfic mm-hmm. uh, with them and every series, every month, and uh, it, it makes us happy doing that. It does. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this next four years is going to go. Um, I'm excited to to see what the next four months are going to go because, you know, goodness, we've got a lot of games that we want to cover and we just need to figure it out. Yes, for sure. So, um, 
yeah, we're just coming off of Series 51, which as of this recording hasn't started releasing yet publicly. Um, but uh, you can get the first episode, uh, if not everything uh, of our future series. Uh, you can get them a little bit early on our Patreon, which is, uh, I think, really fun. Yes. Um, and uh, so, so check that out and uh, check us out on our Discord because we really like uh, talking with all of you. Uh, we noticed that there's a, a few newer people that have been uh, more active on our Discord lately, and we really appreciate that. Yes, that's been um, awesome to see new faces. And yeah, get a chance and, to and talk with people. We're trying to be a little bit more active on there too, and and uh, hopefully we can get some uh, some good discussions there going as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, we'll see. Well, you I next think that time. about that about wraps it up. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning, or on my other podcast, Garbage of the Five Rings. Our other host, Ryan Bolter, can be found on Twitter at Lord Neptune or online at lordneptune.com. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast it originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by the absolutely fantastic Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game system used in today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much, much more at patreon.com slash character creation cast. Thanks for joining us. And remember... We find the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. Now we gotta read some show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Character Creation Cast is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, visit OneShotPodcast.com where you'll find other great shows like Iron Ada Reforged, Puppet Strains. Ragnarok is coming, and it's you. Join creator Tracy Barnett and performers Alex Flanagan, B. Zelda, and Jeff Stormer as they navigate a Norse cyberpunk city to accomplish their ultimate goal the fall of the gods. Part actual play and part playtest, 
Puppet Strings gives you a look behind the scenes of the development of Iron Etta Reforged and into the minds of four amazing designers.